Hello and welcome to Midriff, the podcast about gender, music, and music year. I am your host, Hillary Jones. So last week was Thanksgiving, and I have to say that I, for one, am super thankful to all of you for listening to and supporting this podcast over the last year. It hasn't been quite a full year since it started. It started last January, but it's it's a big deal. And I really, uh, or at least to me, it's a big deal. I don't know if it's a big deal to other people, but, but I appreciate uh, your support a ton. Um, it really has been like... I don't know. It's it's it, this is something I've wanted to do for a long time and it's been such a like real pleasure and joy to get to talk to so many awesome musicians and to like get to share those conversations with you and you know to know that there are people out there who care about this stuff and who are like along for the ride and this like kind of weird sometimes highly niche journey of discussing gender <laughs> identities and gear uh which I know is not for everyone and I appreciate you taking the time to listen. So uh, in addition to thanking you for making this happen, I also want to thank Midriff sponsors, of course. So we have uh, Earthquaker Devices, of course, who are the guiding stars of my existence and to continue to make just extra special effects pedals in Akron, Ohio. It's what they do. I recently did a short video featuring the Ghost Echo and the Swiss Things, which are currently on my board. And I'll probably talk more about that at some point. I'm hoping to get some sort of electronic drum recording situation figured out. I have these like kind of like I don't know. I have it like a Yamaha DD5 that's kind of busted, but I have another like Simmons one. They're like kind of toys, but not really. They're very cool. But anyway, I really have this desire to use the data corruptor on them, but I don't know how to actually record them in a way that makes sense. Once I get that figured out, you just watch out because I'm going to record it. Baby steps. Anyway, uh, there. here's my Earthquaker Devices YouTube comment of the week from YouTuber just somebody who said of their reverb pedal, uh, the Afternath, quote, this is the only reverb that I've heard that sounds like you're in a sweaty and steamy underground sauna cavern. Just what I like. Unquote. Boom. Can't beat that. EarthquakerDevices.com for more info. And I want to shout out again to Studio 121. Skylar is super rad. She's in school. She's working a ton. It is bonkers. She's also a Berkeley student, um, and she helps edit these podcasts. And uh, she can also help you with all of your audio needs at a super reasonable price. So like production, editing, recording, jingles, podcast music, whatever you need, she can help you do it. Find Studio 121 on Instagram at Official Studio 121. And I want to thank today's final sponsor, Bookworm Effects, who just keep cranking out the hits. Uh, this time with an update to their optical tremolo, The Laughing Man. It is beautiful and it's a creative pedal. It's super responsive. It is, in fact, so responsive that the rate is actually set by how hard you play, like your playing dynamics. Pretty rad. Also, if you pop over to their Instagram, at Bookworm Effects, you can see that uh, these pedals are also beautiful on the outside uh, with local artists and on the inside, like the actual boards themselves are beautiful. So take a look. They're real nice. So these sponsors support the podcast. I hope you support them as well. All right. Today I'm talking with Jimmy Chitambo, who performs under the name and Jimily. He is a solo artist who creates just astoundingly beautiful music. And I hope that if you haven't had a chance to listen to him, you go to the internet and you do so immediately. It is jaw-dropping, really. Um, 
you know, he's recently been featured in Rolling Stone, Pitchfork and the like, and with very good reason. His songs are just like super intimate. They cross genres in like the super coolest way. Just, yeah, just listen. It's beautiful. Or watch a video. I don't know. Whatever you do on the internet these days, do it and uh, look it up. So check out the show notes for his links and to uh, links to midriff sponsors and way, way more. I lovingly handcraft those show notes just for you. With that, here is my interview with Jimmy. The absence becomes me. Welcome to Midriff. Howdy. Thanks for having me. <laughs> hey, thanks for being here. <laughs> uh, so for folks who might not know you, can you introduce yourself, your name, your pronouns, a little bit about your background uh, and, you know, just in general, but also with music? My name is Jimmy. The, f- the folks call me. Uh, my full name is Angemily, and that is the name that I use when I release music and stuff. So I'm a singer songwriter. I live in Boston and this year I dropped my debut album called Give or Taker on Father Daughter Records. There's a really sick indie label based in San Francisco. And it's been really interesting putting out a record in a pandemic. But honestly, that's so far so good. <laughs> and seems yeah, like I make... it's going okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going all right. Uh, I make folk music and I am queer and trans. Cool. That was good. That was a very good intro. It's almost like a bio, but you just said it. Uh, nice. But it's better when you say it than I say it. It feels more legit, you know? So that was actually one of my like initial questions here was just like, what's it like, like releasing music, yeah. getting famous in the middle of a pandemic? How's it feel? I think getting famous is a very kind stretch. Thank you. <laughs> well, I feel like you're in Rolling Stone. That counts. It's that definitely something I'm very happy about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's It's honestly weird because it's a, you know, especially in 2020, this year of our pandemic and so much more. It's a juxtaposition between experiencing a lot of like career success and also a lot of like other not success. <laughs> like I was working as an after school teacher last mm-hmm. year and I was and I was laid off almost throughout exactly when the record came out. And so I'm like arguing with unemployment on one day and then like rejoicing about a Rolling Stone piece, you know, the next. And it's like a very interesting and humbling roller coaster. Yeah, that's it. that seems kind of bonkers. Like you're just kind of like everything kind of is terrible in the world, except this. My career is really taking off in this beautiful way, uh, yeah. like casually in pitchfork, whatever, you know, like it feels uh, quite casual. <laughs> <laughs> it probably feels a lot more casual when you're stuck in your house for a lot of it. Yeah, because I'm like, oh, man, this is so dope. But I'm also like not wearing pants. <laughs> So that's uh, actually then it is inherently more. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know how to describe it besides weird. It does kind of, if anything, hammer home how 
the facade of like in this in this very specific case low level indie fame and like the concept of it just it just feels made up fine that's that's fair it doesn't mean that it doesn't feel good yeah or, yeah, yeah 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 you know that that you know it's nice to be able to celebrate that but yeah. it also you know for people that i know have who have been kind of like in that zone like, I feel like it can feel good, but it's also like, oh, but I'm also just, I mean, and I know, like, obviously regular famous, 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 you know, like MTV famous people are, yeah. uh, are people too. But like, I feel like having that weird thing where you're like, I'm in this level where it's hard to kind of like, you're kind of between worlds a little bit, I guess is what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to describe that. Yeah. I'm like stepping one toe into the, into the world of indie, but then I'm also like, you know. Just a schmuck like the rest of us in this pandemic, <laughs> trying to pull it together and eat vegetables regularly. So, so you obviously are a solo artist. Uh, you play with other folks. Have you? Did you play in bands before? I actually don't know that. Not really. So I, I uh, let's see. Okay, so I started like songwriting when I was like seventeen, right before I went to college, and then. I started like playing solo on campus. I went to Northeastern and there's like a this godforsaken quote unquote venue called After Hours. That's just the most awkward place you could possibly. There's like a Starbucks in there <laughs> that's still open when people are performing. So we've had like Mac DeMarco and like it's like some like relatively famous people just playing while there's like kids ordering Starbucks. But anyway, um, <laughs> once I started playing I, it was like always and Jimily, so I would like have people join mm -hmm. my like band, and I started playing with people for the first time when I was like nineteen, twenty. So that was super exciting. We had like a drummer and a bassist for a while. We were doing like I was doing more like indie rock, like tune yard stuff, and so we would just mm -hmm. play basement shows in Boston. Indie rock with a capital I, kind of thing. Yeah, super. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah, I was just curious about that because I realized that I knew. I what I know about is like the things that I've read, which are mostly like that you were in choir and things like that when you were growing up. And then magically, yeah. all of a sudden you had this solo career. But I didn't know, like, if there was what was happening in between there. Yeah, it's kind of funny how we like my one of my producers was like, we're going to say this is your debut album. All right. And I was like, great. And I was like, that's also like, is it true? <laughs> I mean, yes, it is true. Is it you can false? say whatever you it's want. Also false. I think it, is this it's, false it's, news. Is this false news? <laughs> it's it's true and false because I mean I put out I put out a bunch of music in the past, but it's been like DIY and specifically yeah. Boston based. So as far as like the like your first experience with music when you started playing, so obviously you said you you said that you have started with choir, like vocally. That's kind yeah. of your experience. As far as like playing guitar, what was your first experience with that? Like your first experience with gear, I guess. Yeah, so I got my first guitar when I was 11 after, like, begging for a guitar for years. My parents finally acquiesced because I have a super short attention span, and, like, they were like, are you actually going to care about this if we give the, you know, so it took me, I think it reasonably took a couple of years for that to happen, but um, I had a Fender, Squire, Strat, Black. Yep. I named her Charlie, and I had a little, it was like a starter pack, so I also got a little crate oh, yeah. amp. Mm -hmm. and um started learning to play like franz ferdinand and stuff <laughs> and, like blink yes. 82 
Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was when I was teaching for a while. There was a lot of Franz Ferdinand. Aww. So much Franz Ferdinand. It was really nice, actually. I really enjoyed Franz Ferdinand. Wherever did they? Uh, go? Whatever happened to them? I don't. I don't know. Like, it was some catchy like stuff. Yeah. So yeah. So started with the Strat, and then did you have like what? What was your like kind of gear journey from there? So I I, I took guitar lessons for a year. And my guitar teacher was like, helped me learn like some Jimi Hendrix tunes. And so I got a wah mm, pedal. But mm-hmm. I didn't really yes, know. Did. I didn't really know how to use it. <laughs> and then as soon as the batteries died the first time, I was like, well, I guess that's it. You know, I didn't this like piece of trash. A battery. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, and then my, my gear life was like, didn't really pop off until I got to college. So that was like, I, mm. I remember like, yeah, I didn't really understand like how pedals worked and I had my crate amp and I was like, well, I know I can turn the distortion up. I wish I could do this quickly, but I just like <laughs> was not connecting the <laughs> It dots. was a mystery. <laughs> yeah, it was a mystery. And I yeah. was like interested, but not interested enough to like figure it out. And I like, I think I got, I got my, I got my first like pedal that I actually used when I was like 21 or 22. And that was shortly after I got my second electric guitar mm-hmm. um which was which is a uh red fender telecaster her name nice. is roxanne she has you know since then been outfitted with a variety of sweet little cute little pedals and mm. yeah it's a tell me time. tell me about all these pedals so you had your first you had your first pedal in college and what are your sweet little pedals yeah so i think my first pedal i think it was a reverb pedal and then so like last year i got a grant well i got i got two grants from the city of boston yeah one was to record a record which mm-hmm. ended up being give or taker and the other one was just like a lifestyle grant they were like you can use this however you want and i was like nice. wow so i was able to like get at like my dream for a couple of years has been like to have like a nice little home studio set up so i got like some nice monitors and yeah. I also kind of like got a bunch of pedals. Yes. So I got a Julia Chorus Reverb pedal. Nice. I have a flashback delay. Yep. I have a Boss RV6 Reverb pedal. Oh, cool. And then I have a. Yeah, uh, you're oh, looking a... at it right now. <laughs> I yeah. can see you're turning your head to like look Let's and be see. like, what do I have? I don't know. Yeah. I have a I have a Wampler Euphoria Overdrive pedal, which has been super, super fun. Cool. Um, I like play guitar and my buddy's like hip-hop band and they're like super into distortion so it's like my opportunity to be limp biscuit which is super fun and, <laughs> um, and then i got a little like boss tuner pedal and it's just like ugh, it warms my heart to have like a pedal board set up like my girlfriend set it up for me because like i don't know how to do anything <laughs> and she was like uh she's a mechanic so she like had oh. her like tools like screwing this stuff on and i'm like chilling like eating some like chips and i was like babe thanks so much <laughs> like, it looks really good a little to the left <laughs> yeah i was like yes. yeah that's rad that is a good use of that grant <laughs> uh, it's been a dream come true i was able to like and i've been using ableton for a couple of years now yeah so so tell me about ableton i, I have so many questions so so when you got into ableton you said a couple years ago yeah was it more for recording or for producing or for both or what was, how did that happen? It was, it was mostly for recording. So mm-hmm. when I was in high school, I was like, I would like to record myself. And I was like, didn't have a Mac. So I, I downloaded Audacity and I used that for like a long time until I got to college. Uh-huh. And then I met um, some cool music kids in college, one of whom is now one of my best friends. And he uh-huh. 
was like, yeah, use Ableton. It's great. He's like, he has like an Ableton Live tattoo. Like, he just loves. No way. He like loves wow. Ableton. And he like converted <laughs> me. And so I started like kind of slowly figuring it out. I, yeah, I've just been, I've spent like almost a decade like slowly figuring out Ableton and just like falling in love with it. And then like in the past half decade, I've like begun understanding plugins and VSTs and then Last year, I was able to upgrade from Ableton from Live 9 to Live 10. And so that's been, like, really, really exciting. I just <laughs> love Ableton. I see that grid, and I'm like, <laughs> So for people who don't know about the grid, can you tell, can you explain the grid? Well, I think Live is, like, I think, like, Aesthetically, I think compared to Logic and Pro Tools, it's not that cute um, because mm. of it's just like when you look at it, it's kind of like looking at like something that would be on a Windows 98. It's just kind of like <laughs> like the session view is just a series of squares and rectangles, uh -huh. um, which is not. But a comforting series of. Yeah. Like, series of squares. I, I can understand why people don't like want to like bother with it because it's just not super cute looking in my opinion but I also have just gotten so used to it and it's like after a long time of like slowly figuring it out the workflow that is possible as a result of all of these squares and rectangles is like in my opinion mm -hmm. off the chain yeah yeah I mean so when I, I literally I've been playing music for a million years I'm like older than you by a fair amount I think <laughs> and like literally just started recording for this podcast in January, I have been playing for, I think, probably as old as you are, yeah. <laughs> 25 years. And like, and so I, I literally just learned how to do this. And for years, I was like, I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn. And then and people had tried to get me into Ableton, partly for the recording piece, but partly for the production piece. And I feel like that's the thing that's interesting to me. Like, so now I, I use Logic because that was an easy transition from GarageBand. But like, I guess the, so how much do you use, do you use the production piece? Do you use that? a lot or as far as like work yeah i use it a ton i, I when i yeah. when i started you know i using ableton it was just like a different digital audio workstation for getting my like ideas down like a little upgrade from GarageBand that was like heavily advertised by a good friend <laughs> otherwise i think <laughs> i think i would have like logically just headed to logic there's just so much there's just so much like sound sounds and like mixing stuff in there that makes mm. it like kind of irresistible so I use it mainly for like mixing and production and stuff. Like I, mm. I used to like use Ableton to like write songs and kind of like write, use the grid to like, like uh, map out s different sections. And now I don't do that. I just use it for like mixing. And there's just some really, I got like a, I got like a F ton of free isotope plugins recently. Oh, cool. From some yeah. guy who was like, Hey, I love your album. Like I'm from this company called Isotope. And I was like, I mm -hmm. love Isotope. And he was like, here's they, all this stuff. They're based in Boston, apparently. Yeah. My, are they based in Boston? Yeah. I didn't realize that until very recently. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. So I love, <laughs> I love all the production capabilities. It's so cool. So yeah. So you also, you play a lot of acoustic. So I'm curious. I've seen you playing a bunch of different guitars, like, like a Martin, a Taylor, some old, older thing with like maybe a harmony oh. i don't know what's i don't know if these are yours or if they're just things that you have been using around or what yeah it was probably it was probably stuff that i was borrowing i so i have a tailor mm -hmm. that i bought yes. last year 
And before nice. that, I had this really not super great Ibanez acoustic mm-hmm. that I got when I was like 16 or 17, and I just didn't take good care of it. And so, like, mm. I I outgrew it. And uh, basically at shows, I was just like that for a long time. I was just that guy who'd be like, hey, man, like, can I play your guitar? Like, I would like bring my guitar. <laughs> I would just play other people's gear. And I was yeah, like, OK, this is fine. And then like a, like maybe two or three years ago, I was like, I think I would like my own stuff now. <laughs> like, Yeah. Or even just like your own stuff that you feel connected to. Or maybe you like if the Ibanez isn't you're not feeling you're jiving with it in the same way that maybe you would with something else. Yeah, I gave it away to a friend who was like, hey, I'm trying to learn how to play guitar. And I was like, take it. Aww. So hopefully yeah. she's like able to practice on stuff. It's it's dope. It's just not like sturdier investment. Yeah. What's the model of Taylor that you have? Do you know? What is it? It's like a, I think it's like a, what's called like a, in a, the G series. It's like in like beginner series. It's like on the cheaper side. It was like 600 something. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but those are the, they're like, the not, it's not the baby Taylor series, but like the next series after that or something. Yeah. Is that what you used on your recording? Guitar. And I think that his was, his acoustic is a Martin. Is that the Martin? Um, I think I saw you playing that one once. It's like one of the mahogany ones. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So we got the guitar under, I also saw you playing like a jazz mastery looking thing at one point. Yeah. Let's see. I think I borrowed that from either somebody that never belongs to me. <laughs> <laughs> I like this like mystery gear mystery that there's we're just, having right yeah, now. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff I've played that I just never belong. No, like for shows and recordings okay. that just, I don't own it. <laughs> <laughs> the generosity i like the flexibility musicians. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah uh do you have like as far as mics do you have a like do you stick to a particular type of mic not really when we were for this last record gabe had gabe which is one of the who's one of the producers had this like weird i don't even remember what type of mic it was it was like a brand i had never heard of just like some weird like condenser that like I should ask him what it is. It's like some, it's like a silver something. I was like, what the mm. hell is that, Gabe? And it looks like a <laughs> toy, but it sounds great. And then they used this. Now I want to know what that was. <laughs> yeah, it was sick. And then we used an RE20 on vocals for a couple of tunes. And then for the, for mm-hmm. the guitar, we mostly used a C414. Mm-hmm. And... Those roads, like little pencil-y. Yeah, the little ones. I like the ones that like meet each other in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Couple of those. Little buddies. For amps, I'm thinking like what, so obviously you have, you had your crate. Presumably you <laughs> are, have another one that you use or maybe you're borrowing people's. Maybe <laughs> you just go direct. I don't know what's happening in your world. <laughs> I do have an amp. I have a Vox Pathfinder 15R. I got it like five or six years ago on Craigslist for 60 bucks. Mm. One of my buddies was like, yeah, Feist plays two of these. What? <laughs> on, I was You're like, like sold. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for some reason, that was what sold me. On that. that was it. That was it. You're like, right, done. So sign me up. <laughs> so, yeah, I fucking love this amp. It's like, it's not large. It's maybe like a. 15 inches tall and like it's compact but like loud as f and Mm -hmm. it it just sounds so gorgeous and beautiful yeah i'm like i feel quite lucky that i have 
a decent amp that I could like realistically just lug around. However, I would like, you know, in the near future, a larger model. <laughs> fair, fair. Do you when you, so because I've seen you play in all of I feel like this is the thing. Like I feel like it is a bit of a gear mystery to me because it seems like you're every time you're performing, you have a different setup. And yeah. both with like you know what I'm saying? Like I, I, so so it's a different guitar. It's prob like some sort of different mic setup. Sometimes it's electric. Sometimes it's acoustic. <laughs> uh, like sometimes it seems like you're maybe going uh, direct, and sometimes you're playing through a mic. Like how? Do <laughs> I don't understand. How no, does do you, do you, really How does this point. all roll? So you know, this brings up a good point, which I never thought about. But I guess I'm pretty flexible in that regard. <laughs> it also has a lot. I think if anything. The biggest factor in all of this is that I don't have a car. Yeah. So that is the reason. If I can not bring my amp, I will not bring it because I'm usually taking the train. When I got my grant, I was taking more Ubers. So that was nice that I would like, <laughs> I would like bring my amp with me. But um, I don't like to bring my amp around, even though it's beautiful and lovely, just because it's kind of heavy and I'm carrying, I'm like walking my stuff to the train station and, and then to the. Yeah. I prefer. Yeah, I'm 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 quite flexible because I if I so if I'm I'm either doing acoustic or electric at shows, I usually don't do both. And if I'm going electric, I care less about bringing my amp and more about bringing my pedal board. Yeah, my, my pedal board, I feel <laughs> yeah. like has a has a greater influence on the way I want my guitar to sound than my amp. And I can like tweak it just so. So I'll lug my pedal board around. And then with my acoustic guitar, yeah, I just usually go DI. I recently got an LR Bags Venue DI. Oh, um, cool. How is that? It's 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 uh, really me and my band did a recording. We did a remote, like, pre-recorded show for my release of Giver Taker. And I brought my acoustic guitar and my LR Bags, like, DI. And I was, like, practicing. One of my bandmates was like, whoa, did you just put on, did you just, like, put on the recording? And I was like, no, I'm just playing Whoa. the. And they're like, oh, it, it sounds like the recording. And I was like, dang, LR bags coming through. That's wild. It's nice. Yeah. It's got EQ. It's like got a little notch <laughs> filter because my my acoustic electric has a problem with like feedback. <laughs> Mm, so I have a mm -hmm. feedback blocker thing now that I put in the sound hole. Yeah, one of those little uh, rubber deals. Yeah, which is not really That's my That's the technical favorite. term, right? It's it's rubber deal. I mean, it literally <laughs> is just a little freaking rubber deal. It's a little rubber deal. Like they yeah. got a nice they got a nice fancy name for it, but it's just a piece of rubber and it it, it kind of yeah. dull, it you know, it will dull the fullness of the sound. But um with the LR bags pedal I got, I don't have yeah, well, that's cool, and it allows you. I'm assuming to have a lot more control over your sound, which yeah, which seems rad. You know, the, the more the longer I play, the more that is important to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's good, right? Okay, cool. Uh, so I feel like are, did we miss any gear stuff that we did that we didn't get to cover yet? When I'm like doing home studio stuff, I use a Focusrite yeah. Scarlett. Yes, uh, eighteen eight, and then I recently, mm. not that recently, I got a little preamp. Because I was like, I would like a preamp. Then I was like, I would not like to pay for a preamp. So I got this <laughs> <laughs> I got this cheap preamp from this company called Golden Age. Oh, cool. It's like a pre-73 junior. It was like 150 bucks. And it just makes mm -hmm. everything sound like nice and warm. And mm. so I, I run all of my like demo recordings through that. And it's like, you know. That's awesome. 
when you do your home recording, is that like, well, I guess, I guess this goes back to your songwriting process, right? Are you like a lyrics person, guitar person first? Like what's the order of operations usually for you? Um, for me, it's vocals and guitar first. Um, mm -hmm. And then lyrics. Like at the same time? Usually at the same time, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes guitar comes slightly before that or vocals become come slightly before that, but I always rush to begin accompanying myself like as quickly as possible to get the tune rolling. And then I have yep. like hundreds of voice memos on my iPhone of me just like figuring out the song. And I'll, I don't use Ableton to write the song anymore. Like I used to, because mm -hmm. I, I feel like it's like helps my organic process if I'm less attached to the sweet, sweet grid, which I'm obsessed <laughs> with. So I'll, I'll worry about oh, the, the grid. I have to worry about the grid after the song is written or I will become, you know, too focused, too focused on that grid. So yeah, I'll write the song and then I do use Ableton though. Like I, I'll use the grid for like harmonies and stuff so mm -hmm. that I can like get it. That seems appropriate. Perfect, that know? seems reasonable. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> at this point it's super, it's a super fun process. I get to focus. I get, it's like my workflow is now broken up into like a couple of fun chunks. The first of which is like songwriting. Can we call them, can we call them funks? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Good. Okay. So you got a couple funks. Got a couple funks. And the first one is just like, you know, writing the, the, the song, uh, figuring out how many verses, chorus, melody, whatever, and then like quickly throwing on the lyrics and then I'll grab my laptop. Mm -hmm. And the next funk is like the performance where I'm teaching myself how to play the song. And also like, mm. which usually takes a minute, especially these days, I'm like going a little too wild with the finger picking. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes, yeah, I've actually decided to lay that down for a bit after like one of the last songs I wrote was too complicated. And I was like, why did you write this? And I was like, well, this is how it goes. And I was like, it doesn't have to go like this. And I was like, yes, it does. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that that is so real. You're like, I just wrote this part. It is too hard for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. So then there's that. And then once I have the performance of like the I'll record the lead guitar and vocal at the same time and then. Um, I'll do backing vocals next. And then the last funk is uh, like mixing and production and I'll like mm -hmm. EQ and compress everything and like add my cute little plugins and any like synth parts sometimes like usually not usually not a ton of stuff these days, mm -hmm. but sometimes like with the newer tunes, there's like some guitar leads and like some synth bass usually. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's that's it's, it's fun. I, this is another piece. This is not your gear, uh, but Justine, who you play with, yeah. uh, uses that little teenage engineering buddy, right? Yes, the illustrious OP1. Yes, the OP1. Uh, so is that, do you have one of those or is this, you're using Ableton's stuff for that? I do for not the have stuff one that of you're those. doing. Okay. It's, uh, I wish I had one of those. Those things are <laughs> They're nice. so cute. Yeah, they're cute. And <laughs> I mean, they're powerful, but they're cute. Yeah, you can be both at the same time. That's their. That's the. That's the allure for me, honestly. Um, <laughs> but I just use. I'll use the um, effects on or like the sounds on board Ableton or like I have like a Profit Five VST I bought, mm. mm -hmm. <laughs> which is <laughs> fine. And um, <laughs> and then I also have. Oh right. Um, have a Korg mini log synth. Oh, cool! That I got mm -hmm. for live shows, so the so our bassist could play synth bass, but then shows were canceled. Right. So I was like, I'm just gonna play the synth, and that's really sick. It's got a bunch of cool sounds, and I'll use that more often than the uh, 
VSTs are like onboard sounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that was one of the things I was thinking about, too, is just because I feel like you've got a lot of different sounds on the record and how you feel about translating that live or not. Yeah. And like one or if you don't know yet because you haven't gotten to play as much as you would. What we were going (laughs) to do was like sample a bunch of tune or a bunch of Mm. effects that were used on the record through the OP one. Um, So like Mm. my producers, Gabe Goodman and Justine, are largely responsible for like all of those wacky sounds and cool, like cool instrumental textures. They were like Mm -hmm. the directors of arrangement (laughs) and production as the producers. And so they like. They just added a lot of beautiful sounds and Justine was going to like just go. We I had made a uh, spreadsheet of the different um, instruments used and the different like type of synths used, synths used per song. And then Justine was going to use that spreadsheet to then like sample those instruments through her OP1. But then everything got canceled. So we don't really have to worry about it. <laughs> Maybe another time. Yeah, maybe. I do like that you used a spreadsheet, though. <laughs> yeah, we were trying to keep we we're trying to keep it organized around these. Parts. That's good. That's good. All right, so let's let's scoot in. I feel like that that will close that section. I I I was like I had one other thing. What was it? That's yeah. what it was. What have your experiences been like as a musician around like gender identities and gear? Mostly just like a bunch of dudes being like, "This is how you plug this in." I'm like, bro, what's your problem? Like my my men- my like dear mentor, who I've been like talking about this whole time, his name is Lee and he's a trans guy and is like one of the only like dude is like the only like good man, first of all. And like <laughs> just I feel like I just feel like cis most cis dudes are not respectful or super helpful when it comes to gear stuff. That's not that's not all true though. Like I've had some like I, I took a like a couple of recording classes in college, and my um recording three professor Doug Bielmeyer is awesome because you know like it doesn't mm. it's not like that hard to just be cool and like what is what does being cool look like how does how what does he do that is cool he was just like he just explained things you know because he's like I think a, a difference between him and like other music industry folks is like he is literally a professor and so that's mm-hmm. his job to like explain things kindly and clearly and repeatedly which is not not really the case for other folks in the in the industry but that you know like that he he was just like super like down to explain things in as many possible ways as you needed and like was great about offering up, up examples and like was just like never condescending which is just not the case with most cis men i approach when it comes to gear like gabe goodman awesome super dope and like justine was like the first one of the few and one of the first like women i met in music who was a gear lord like Mm. her gear setup she does her own solo band called photo comfort and it's an electro pop band and i don't even know how to describe all of the wires (laughs) and (laughs) and all like her gear like she's got it going on Mm-hmm. You should interview her. Actually, she's got some sick. She's got a sick I setup. Would love There's to. just like so many synths, so many pianos, so many sequencers, so many sounds and samples. It's beautiful, and like that's rad. She tour. She used to tour with this pop band called Magic Man, and so her like level of confidence and just like knowledge is really great, and it's really great to just like have her there 
when sometimes interfacing with like less respectful uh engineers or something like we had a live sound engineer at this one show that was you know whatever kind of a dick but um justine asked for delay and he was like put the delay and she was like yeah I'd like like less less delay than that and he like was like oh are you sure and she was like yeah and then he like turned it down and she was like no, i'd like less like here's a specific milliseconds and he was like oh but you can't even hardly hear that and she's like <laughs> dude it's literally a matter of taste like <laughs> Obviously, she can't mm-hmm. hear and wants that. So, like, it doesn't matter if you can't hear it. Like, why are you being such a dick? <laughs> like, what? He was like, oh, you can hardly hear that. She was like, well, that is a matter of taste. Like, that, like, that, no. That's what? just what I want. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, it's cool, though, that she's able to sort of, like, translate in some cases, I guess. Yeah. You know? She's awesome. I don't know. Like, She's like a good blueprint for me in terms of like, you know, just like she's just good at like explaining stuff. And and when I all of this gear that I now use, I needed people to like explain it to me and like refer me to resources that could help me better understand. And it's been really helpful. And I try to like both pay it forward and like, you know, just keep in mind that their contributions are like incredibly important and pivotal to my own growth as a musician and as a recording engineer. Mm, yeah totally uh do you i mean i wonder too though like the fact that she has to be able to like name the like millisecond in order for someone to take it seriously yeah and even seems like still doesn't take it seriously but like it's like (laughs) like 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 the way that i've seen people treat her is like infuriating like and i'm just like you wouldn't be behaving this way with like a man and like you're not behaving this way with me because I have like a deep voice and like you are full of it like it's 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 just gross mm-hmm. yeah that's a bummer not cool yeah. bro it's like why why why, why would you act <laughs> why would you act like that we could go on about that <sighs> I bet there's a lot of reasons <laughs> you know yeah I just yeah I've like encountered some really slimy dudes but um it's good it's good like for me informationally because i'm just like okay now i know like to never work with that guy Mm. ever again and like now i don't ever have to like yeah some there's a couple folks who i'm just like great like if i know that they're involved in the thing and they ask me to do the thing i'm like not gonna do that thing and that's fine done yeah (laughs) yeah it is like a bit of a filter yeah yeah uh as far as like purchasing gear because I think we've been talking mostly about like live experiences, right? As far as like actually purchasing gear, what have been like your like best or worst experiences? <laughs> had some, I've had some pretty positive experiences for the most part. I feel like kind of lucky about because for a lot of the gear that I have, it was acquired like before I like identified as trans and like before I started taking testosterone and when I was like presenting as a woman. And so I'm mm-hmm. like kind of pleasantly surprised that it hasn't been as bad as it could be. Like I got my, <laughs> I got my electric guitar from this like on Craigslist, and this guy was like, "Yeah, I work in a warehouse." And I was like, "Okay." He was like, "Okay, I'll see you there." And then I told my roommates, and they were like, "Dude, you can't just go to meet a man <laughs> in a warehouse." Go. So they came with me, and like it was a warehouse <laughs> on Northeastern's campus. It was when I was a student, and he was like the super cool guy, and it was like you know like me and three people, and like you know like it was like a large open space. There were people working there. It was like a workspace. So I was like, "Okay, this is like could be weird." Luckily, not weird. 
Um, <laughs> and he was super cool. I'm like, he's like, this is a guitar, blah, blah, blah. I like make guitars. I like refurbish guitars. And oh. that was a cool experience. Um, recently, I had a guy try to explain to me like what a mic, like what a mic stand was or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. What? He tried to he tried to get me to buy a mic clip. And I was like, I don't need a mic clip. And uh, he was like, well, you know, just, you know, a lot of people buy these microphone stands and they see that they can't, you know, put the microphone in. And I was like, dude, it's for my condenser microphone. Like, I don't need a mic stand. Like, I'm just going to thread it into the, like. Right. And he just kept trying to get me to buy a mic stand. I was like, it's not going to (laughs) fit. This is not, I'm not using a dynamic microphone. Like, I'm not using a 58. Like, he was just so rude. And I was like, I'm never going back there again. I was like, what is this? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. And I feel like it's so weird. Like, it's like, is this person trying to be right? Or are they trying to sell you something? Or what's the, what is the outcome that that they're hoping to achieve out of this? Like, I don't understand. I feel like it with him had to be more right. Because, like, you can get a mic clip for, like, three or four bucks. Like, I was just like, I know, I was like, I know what a mic clip is. I don't need one. <laughs> what the hell? Um, right. So that was weird. And then like, I I don't go to guitar center anymore. Guitar center anymore because like, I don't need to. But it was an exciting place as a younger person. Sure. And this is, I had a guy, the guy who sold me my like distortion pedal, like he really sold it to me. Like this isn't even a comment on like the guy. Like he was fine. I just like <laughs> he like like it was ex- it was expensive. <laughs> And like it was with like grant money, and it's like a really awesome pedal. But man, that salesman, commendable. He sold that <laughs> pedal to me. I was like, I I gotta take it. I and guess I, I guess it, I'm getting this pedal now. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh my god, that's like that was expensive. And I was like, well, it is a really good pedal. Then <laughs> like, I was like, you should go. Sometimes it works out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I feel like the first time that I had seen you perform was that video from WGBH and was it, uh, what's the th- hall it was at the oh uh Fraser studio oh my gosh whose yes. guitar was that that was the Martin I think <laughs> where did it come from that... oh it was Gabe's okay sorry yeah okay <laughs> I'm glad that you people know. just throw Martins at you you're like I'll just play this I'll take your Martin and your Martin and your Martin honestly that is not too far <laughs> off uh but i think in seeing that i was just like this is redonk like this is a ridiculously beautiful and powerful performance Mm. it's ridiculous it's so good uh and you're you're welcome and and i think part of it to me in seeing that is that it just felt like very powerful and to me i it made me think about like for you as a performer, what makes you feel most powerful as a musician? Uh, I think first and foremost, just like singing. And then I think like basically like getting lost in the song. Like I find like a very meditative piece and just like fully engrossing or becoming engrossed in like the performance of the song. And mm-hmm. so it's just like a, I think that that, that, that experience and like that action, especially with others, like with my band mates, mm-hmm. having that collective experience makes me feel very powerful. 
Right. So it's like the, so it's not the same as you playing at your house by yourself, but it's like having this like group experience. And then I, I don't know, it almost felt is, I feel like you can get into a zone like you're saying. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's like, uh, that's just kind of how I, how I try to like relate to like all performances and like all, basically like anytime I'm playing, I feel like if I can really dive into it, like something cool or interesting is going to happen. Mm -hmm. or I'm going to like learn more or like get a plus one skill of some sort. So I take it pretty, not necessarily seriously, but I get, I'm very, I'm, I'm always pretty focused. Oh, actually, you know what? Not always because when I'm practicing, I'll sometimes have Bob's Burgers on. I'll, <laughs> guitar. I'll have like a metronome in one ear, but then like I'm watching Bob's Burgers. Anyway. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, that just makes me really happy. <laughs> it's uh, You know, I, th I think it's actually a good concentration challenge. Uh, stay on that. That's part. right. But um, I think that makes sense. <laughs> so uh, it, it seems part of like I think part of the thing that's so interesting to me about watching watching you perform live is that some of the power like I think the vocal pieces of that is huge because your voice is so powerful. But also it feels like there's like this real intense intimacy in the music. Can you talk a little bit about how intimacy plays a role in your music? Yeah, definitely. So I've, I have found that my my songwriting process or my songwriting topics are almost exclusively focused on like things that mean a lot to me, typically mm -hmm. experiences and like me and I and I kind of process my feelings through song and like process mm -hmm. those experiences through song. And it's usually pretty like I use music as a way to further understand something about myself or about somebody else or about a feeling. And so mm -hmm. I think that processing can translate as like raw and intimate because it's pretty like real time discovery for me when I'm writing, when I'm writing these tunes. Um, mm -hmm. And like the funny thing is like, I didn't even really realize that was the case until pretty recently. Like I was, <laughs> I was uh, my girlfriend was playing the record and then, and I hadn't like listened to it in a while, and I was like, "Damn, this is pretty personal." It's sad too. And she was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" And I was like, "Damn, I Surprise. never thought about it." Yeah, because it, it's just like it's good to think about, and I like when folks point it out because I don't think about it, and I guess I kind of forget that I'm just so used to at this point like writing this way, and mm -hmm. like I'm a recovering alcoholic, and in and like rehab, there was just like hours and hours and hours and hours of therapy and like processing mm -hmm. and like telling our stories and like learning more about ourselves and each other and like the, the nature of addiction. And so I think that that level of like intimate and like maybe somewhat like vulnerable processing is like just so a normal part of my processing now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it just feels feels so casual yeah I think, no big deal i feel like i'm used to like <laughs> stating like perhaps intimate information in a group setting <laughs> um yeah yeah that's that makes sense it's a good like practice for yeah. sure you your music seems to operate in a variety of different genres like kind of just a bunch right like nice. it's, it's it's good it's good <laughs> uh I'm, I'm wondering if it seems to you like there's one either like music genre or music type of music space or setting where you feel like most comfortable. That's a good question. I think I feel most comfortable couched in like 
the very large, broad, and non-specific genre of in- indie. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because I f- indie slash alternative. Because I feel mm-hmm. like I write kind of like alternative. What I would I would describe my genre like not on like my website or like a press release because I don't write them. But I would, I mean, I feel like I kind of, I'm at this point, like I make easy listening. (laughs) I make like a kind of easy listening. Um, I love that. And that's, yeah. So I like, I like, I like, uh, I try to align myself and like am in the process of aligning myself with like the indie side as opposed to like the singer songwriter folk Mm -hmm. uh, side, just because I don't feel comfortable in folk spaces as much and I don't and I guess I'm just less I'm also less interested in folk music like I don't really care for it that much can you uh speak a little bit more about that yeah folk folk spaces tend to be whitewashed and in a way that I guess makes me more uncomfortable than whitewashed indie spaces it's not like folk is more white like I don't want (laughs) to shit on folk they're not it's not a huge difference really it's not a big difference (laughs) at all I think it's just Mm -hmm. that in Boston specifically I've had like a a handful of very neg- more. I think I've had more negative experiences with the folk community. That's fair. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's the only reason why. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I I think it's interesting too to think about because at this point, like indie and alternative are so are so broad mm-hmm. that it, in some ways it gives you a little bit more flexibility to kind of do what you want without feeling like pinned in. Yeah, Does exactly. That seem accurate. Yeah, because yeah. I like to. I mean, I certainly you know love gently playing the acoustic guitar singing emotionally and i also like you know i like it i like i like a lot of different genres and i like mm-hmm. i don't want to describe my work as one thing if i don't want to like mislead folks who are trying to figure out what what the style is you know yeah i mean that's and that's the thing too is like i feel like i feel like it definitely can live there yeah but i just wasn't sure if that was what you were if you're like this is where this is my house <laughs> where I'm living right now. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm, I mm-hmm. wish I knew. I'm trying to figure that out. I'll tell you what. I don't know. Aren't we all? <laughs> aren't we all? What are you, what are you psyched to be working on right now? Like what's coming up for you? Hmm. Well, oh, you know, it's a secret, so I can't say much, but I'll be recording some covers from a very well-known alternative rock band from the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Um, and then a buddy of mine asked me to participate. He's in a band called Future Teens and they're doing like a comp. The theme is that we're all um recording and then presenting our own our covers of television show theme songs. Whoa. Um, so I, <laughs> I nabbed Family Matters with a quickness. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I'm so uh, excited. <laughs> right? And then yeah, I'm just writing a bunch and I just started working with management. And I'm really, really pumped to like just get rolling with them and yeah, start organizing stuff and knocking out, you know, marketing plans for the next like couple of years and just like focusing up on creative prospects for the next couple of years. And I'm just like, I can be more excited. That rules. Yeah, that rules. I'm so excited for you <laughs> and excited you. to see what you did, what you do. Um, yeah, the the management stuff. Like, I guess so. When you're when you're planning out a bit how like how has that felt to like kind of have that not be doing as much of that yourself or well I'm like kind of uh anal in that every year for like the past three years now I've had like a goals list Mm. that I've just then like been referring to throughout the year and like trying to add on so that 
there's like stuff like that can carry over into next year and like making like a two years, five years goals list. So just like been updating that. And mm-hmm. so like I'm at a point where like I kind of, yeah, I had to make a new goals list because after the record came out, they just started getting knocked down. Boom. Which was really exciting. I was like, okay, I guess I can like really reach for the stars. Like I had put Rolling Stone on like my five years list and that happened at pretty quickly. And I was like, oh shit, what else <laughs> could I do then? So I had, I had like my first official call with management like a week or two ago and they're like, all right, so yeah, we just want to get like a kind of general idea of like, what are your next goals for like the next three to six months, maybe like one to two years. And I was like, I'm going to be honest with you. I have a Google doc. Let me pull it up. And then I like pull it up. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, so this, this, and this. Like Spotify playlisting, maybe like some branded partnerships. This like when live comes back, I'd like to do this, this, and this. And like. Just like a bunch of stuff and they're like, okay, like this is cool, sweet. And I was like, great. <laughs> so it's nice to be able to great. like get working. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to be able to work with folks who have like, you know, more industry experience and like connections and just like information to to share. And I just love I love working. I just love working. So I'm really excited. Cool. All right. My last major question for you is if you were speaking to like folks in the music industry. And so this could be like gear manufacturers, venue owners, other bands, like who wanted to make change to make those spaces better and like more inclusive. Uh, what would you tell them? I would tell them to like, first of all, like sit down with their white friends or whatever, like white collaborators and like on their own, like make a fucking google doc or something or like make a goals list of ways in which they would like to like improve and diversify their communities like with actionable potential steps like and using resources on like twitter and stuff from organizations of both like white folks who are working for anti-racism and stuff like that and also black people and people of color and like use those as blueprints to like make their own like list of community goals and like agenda items and then when that's done i would encourage them to like then reach out to like the people of color and like black folks in their communities and like who are friends and not just like random black people um (laughs) and communicate their like their intentions and like kind of say what they've like been up to in terms of working on ways to make a more inclusive community and like ask if those folks are willing to give feedback or participate in some capacity and dependent and like with with either money being exchanged as compensation or some sort of or something because I realize mm-hmm. folks are broke out here but like you can't be working for free especially if you're a person of color who is like right regularly discriminated against um so yeah yeah I, I would i would do that some one of my like white buddies actually did that and i was like dude like this is dope like you did you Dang. did the work to set your shit up and then you hit me up and you were like yeah and we would like compensate for you for your thing we just want to know how you feel about this and it was like a friend so i was like you know felt comfortable like speaking with him about it um mm-hmm. and i was like that's how you do that that's rad do you I, I also like that it always comes back to a google doc <laughs> Get that spreadsheet <laughs> up, son. Don't approach me until you get that spreadsheet done. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a question about that, though, because, like, I feel like there's 
does it make more sense to talk to your black friend first before you're like, let me tell you what I think is a good idea? Well, I think it depends because I think that I, I understand why that would be the impulse just because like mm -hmm. to avoid like um, coming incorrect. Mm -hmm. But I think it also then unintentionally puts the onus on that person to like make your plan for yeah. you. And so I think, yeah, I, I think ideally it would be like a, a bit of a combination of both where there's like where I think early planning stages should be done externally of like the people of color. And then even if it's just like a scaffolding, like I'd like folks to like come like if, if they have ideas on how they would like to improve the community, I'd like them to like have ideas yeah, and then like be like, do you think this is a good idea? Because I'm not gonna be like, fuck you, no, you know. Like I'm gonna be like, <laughs> I'm gonna be like, this might not be a great idea, but this sounds like a great. Like I'm like, you know, if people are doing rad shit, I wanna be helpful. I'm not gonna like shit on anybody. Yeah, I'm not gonna like. Yeah, I mean, drag you or something. I think, <laughs> you know, I think your point too around it being like, if it's a friend too, like they're gonna just tell you they're not gonna be a jerk about it. They're just gonna be like, mm, maybe not that, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, like, yeah. Which I think is like a huge like. Hugely important for all parties to avoid any um, negative feelings. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think your point around the like who who is doing the actual work on the front end makes a lot of sense too. Yeah, because yeah. you know, ideally, ideally, it is collaborative because mm -hmm. it, it. I think I think if it's coming from a place of like we want to as white folks improve our community, then it's going to kind of be up to white folks to like spearhead that with. Mm -hmm like consulting from black folks because it's not because mm -hmm. the problem isn't like black people are being racist you know the problem is like white people are being racist so <laughs> wait a minute hold up <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna say something controversial here whoa hold <laughs> but like uh yeah and, I, yeah and i think for that reason alone and well now i'm just like specifically talking about racism like it's important for white folks to be organizing together and it, i think it also prevents like them from i think it prevents white folks from in, inadvertently or advertently like showering people of color with white tears mm -hmm. right work it out on your on your own time first and then come to us yeah. once you've done that yeah mm -hmm. yeah cool just uh you know i think yeah i think having if there's like people in your faction who are being um if there are like white folks in your faction who are not being as like perhaps woke or radical as you'd like them to be like some like that's the time for like some in-home like calling in and like educating because folks are, I think, participating in that space because they want to learn and grow. And I think that that's another reason to delay bringing people of color in because like mm -hmm. me, I'm going to be like, why would you bring me to this with this fucking person who's saying right. all this whack shit as opposed to like, hey, friend, like we want to talk to you and work together as a group to learn and grow, you know? Right. Like get that person to at least a modicum of understanding so they're not just being a jerk all over the place uh yeah it's gonna be a negative outcome for all parties yeah <laughs> uh so we're, we're coming to the end here i appreciate you taking the time today this has been a really really rad conversation i'm wondering how we can uh have listeners stay in contact with you or hear more from you oh yeah um so and once again my name is anjimile a-n-j-i-m-i-l-e find my tunes on spotify and iTunes and Bandcamp. We just threw up some t-shirts for sale uh, that my best friend's dog has been photographed wearing. I saw that. That's so, so cute. So oh, that's God. That's a good boy. Um, <laughs> Very good boy. I'm pretty active on uh, Instagram. I post like updates about shows and stuff and Twitter as well. And I have a website, anjimley.com. You can just find out where I'm playing next or, you know, whatever. Cool. 
All right. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time today. You are the best. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Jimmy is such an inspiring musician. Seriously, uh, it's it's really out of control. Uh, so, so great to talk to him. If you want to keep up with him, definitely check the show notes for his links and mentions. So I've recently been feeling the severe lack of ability to both play and see live music as the virus has been upon us for, I think, nine, nine-ish, ten months now. And I've been seeing a lot of folks posting about this recently as well. Like, I don't know if it's like at a fever pitch now. I've, it's been happening the whole time. This isn't new. But I mean, so you you may have been like feeling this a lot now, too. I don't know why. Maybe it's the winter months coming. I feel like people are really feeling it in a more acute way for some reason. So as venues like seem to be slowly, sadly <laughs> closing, around the country and the world, I think what's happening is it, it really just makes us yearn for them even more. And venues are spaces of community. We gather in them to have like shared experiences and shared emotions. It's, it's a lot. But as I've been thinking about this loss, I've also been thinking about all of the people for whom venues and music spaces sort of more broadly, you know, everything from music stores to online forums, have not been a place of community and belonging. That feeling of longing is something that others feel sometimes most of the time or all of the time, not just in a pandemic. And that feeling can turn into learned helplessness when you wait and yearn for music spaces to become what you need them to be, but with no work or no reciprocation. Eventually, some folks just give up and they learn that it's not worth it. They learn that these spaces and the ability to create and share music may just never be a place for them. And they're, they're like, well, I'm done. So when I think about the power of music and what it's provided me in my life, and if you're listening to this, probably what it's provided you and yours as well, my greatest want is that everyone feels like they can participate in music in whatever way they deem appropriate, um, you know, as their like fullest selves. So it could be as a musician, as a fan, as a producer, as an engineer, a booker, pedal builder, whatever it might be, right? I, I hope that this new feeling of longing that many of us are having can help us sort of like tap into the importance of making change in these spaces so that no one has to feel this feeling in the future, right? When we gather back together in these venues after the pandemic is done, uh, you know, venues, stores, workplaces, wherever this, the, the music space might be for you, I hope that we can like come together and make that space better than where we'd left it. If you want to talk more about that or anything else, really, please shoot me an email uh, at Hillary at HillaryBJones.com. And if you like the show and want more people to hear it, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and share this biz on social media with your buddies. I appreciate it. And if you have ideas or feedback for me, definitely email me as well. I'd love to hear from you. So once again, thank you so much for listening. You are the best.